everyone, Paul Rose back. We are here, ready for a huge 2021. We have a big year in store for you for your fans. We've got more guests, more content, more podcasts, more tips, more of everything, and more of my good friend Tom. How are you going, Tom? Yeah, good, good to be back for season two. We got renewed, so we're back and we're back in business. And yeah, like you said, we've got plenty on the agenda this year. It is fantastic to be back. You know, this is the, the love of the sport. We're back on a, you know, early Feb afternoon and, and recording again. It's it's good to be back. It's 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 been a while since uh, since we last spoke, but uh, yeah, on, on the podcast, of course. But um, yeah, it's just good to be back. And, and footy 2021, here we go. It, it's around the corner and it's already gotten off to a bit of a bumper start. And we're just going to launch right in as we do here. Let's do it. Uh, Eddie Maguire stepping down after a series of unfortunate events from sort of December to now. Um, the club obviously, accused, not accused, they've, they've commissioned a report from an external party that's found them guilty of systematic systemic racism. Uh, what do you make of it all? Yeah, well, the big news at the moment, isn't it, with Eddie? Anything with Eddie is big news. And, I mean... Yeah, I guess it's almost a little uh, sort of flashpoint of a little summary of his career in this little debacle we've seen because, you know, a fantastic president, did a lot of good work, but, you know, occasionally and more than occasionally actually would would put his uh, foot in his mouth and say something wrong and then bungle the apology and then cop the heat. Well, it was sort of one too many, I think, and as particularly after that report, which leaking as well didn't help. I think after you know that tumultuous recruitment period that we saw late last year, and and yeah, look, everything that was in that report that's on his watch. So um, he really didn't have a leg to stand on. And being Eddie, the, he he's up high, and the people come and they come for him in big numbers. So the pressure, the media pressure was intense, and and I guess look, he he has been there for for. 20 plus years and you know but the time's right I think he will be missed from a Collingwood point of view but I, I think I think his, his tenure had uh, had reached as far as it could go and and I, I yeah I, particularly just that that last handling of that uh, report which which we might get into was just 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 poor not not a good way to finish for uh, for Edward yeah it's look I was about to say it's unfortunate for him, and it, and it is, but he's not really the victim here. It's the, the players yeah. and probably staff members and, and supporters in general who have, who have been victimised. Um, and, and Collingwood aren't alone in that over the years. Obviously, society as a whole has come a long way. Um, but the, one of the strangest things I think about this whole scenario is why did they go and commission someone else to bring the report, to do the report? Like, what did it achieve? We, we had Eddie putting his foot in his mouth on live radio about Adam Goods. We had him, um, you know, he had the, the, it wasn't racism, but the Caroline Wilson jokes about holding her head underwater. You had even back to the Nicky Wimmer scenario where the, the, the president had a very poor, I was going to say poor choice of words, but it was just a terrible message that he sent out about um, behaving like a white man and, and a black man and, and differentiating it, which... You know, we don't need to go into, but they didn't need to commission the report to, to tell us that there were issues within the club. Um, they could have just, four months ago, come out and just said, we're sorry. 
yes, we've had issues. We, like, we can't run away from it. It's very clear. Um, here's what we're going to do to get better and, and, and put, a, put a line in the sand. But instead they went down the report and undenied and, you know, Eddie announced his, he was stepping down, what, two months ago? And then that was not far away from when the report was finished. But suddenly the report doesn't leak to six weeks later, so they're tried to be seen as separate. But ultimately his legacy is tarnished because we live in a his recency bias and we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society. So everyone's just going to remember the end of Eddie. And as far as his impact on and off the field, like he's had a huge impact in, in I would, I would say, thousands of people's lives in a positive way more often than not. But in that position, you just can't be seen in any way, shape or form to be doing this. And, and even in the boys club of football, you you get one chance, you might get a slap on the wrist, two chances, most people are out. Eddie had a lot more chances than most, but his time was up. Yeah, that that's right. I, it's an interesting point, that, because I think that was one of his great downfalls was his... Firstly, his ability not to say the wrong thing, many a slip, um, you know, racial or, or, or physical. Uh, there that many times we've seen him sort of say sorry, but then I think that is the bit where he stumbles because his apologies have, have come from a, a, yeah, a real high up position and that I don't think they've ever really felt genuine or they've really apologised for the issues at hand. They're, I think his, his crisis management wasn't great in that, Instead of issues being shut and him copying it, you know, and, and moving on, he, he really just, it's like a, a backhanded apology, if I can even use that as a, an expression, sort of, you know, even the last example saying, uh, you know, that, that reporter, it was a proud day and then, and then that just turned, that just spiraled because, yeah, I, I just think sometimes he just speaks without thinking and, and yeah, that, that was a, a prime one, but, you know, that's the same with the Adam Goods and then, you know, half-assed apology and and i just really think that the cultural training probably was something he might have skipped so um yeah look uh i'm with you on the on the legacy it does have a little mark here at the end um you know i, I hope he can move uh, he'll probably move back into the media i would say um maybe back into more fox footy and and maybe you can do a bit of ride on on that front but um yeah, it, it's left a bad taste for me, or that that whole report and, and everything coming out of Collingwood. Yeah, look, not surprised by it. If you had to ask your average punter about uh, football and racism, I'm pretty sure Collingwood would come up there. And I hope you Pies fans understand that. Maybe if you're not, maybe you're showing some of the problem. But um, yeah, it. it, it, well, it I, a... I think that's a bit unfair to paint the Pies fans like that. Oh, no, I'm not um, saying all... Pe- well, I, I, if I I've just seen... say to you, what's the most racist club in the sport, what would you say? I mean, I mean, it's a pretty harsh question for a start, but... Uh, you you, couldn't, you, know you I mean. couldn't say one club is more racist than another club. Um, it's select parts of society, and it doesn't matter what football team they support. I've seen it. I've seen supporters from my club. I've seen supporters from other clubs say the wrong thing. I... I I was at a game, I was going to say last year, but we weren't allowed to go to games last year. Two years ago, North were playing Richmond, and there was a bloke who'd had far too much, and he was saying some pretty insensitive stuff, directed at Basha Hawley, and like based on his appearance, comparing him to a terrorist. And there were, there were four blokes who were sitting in front of us, 
and they have filthy mouths, but even they couldn't believe that he was saying this stuff. Um, and he got report, he got thrown out straight away, and I, I don't know any what what else came from it. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't think this paints Collingwood in a worse light as a club in one sense. I just these issues were always sitting there in the past, and the report just dug them up. Um, it was they more needed to just apologise and look, we got it wrong. We're going to do better. Um, here's what we're going to start doing and just not doing what typically Eddie does and just lead you on a wild goose chase with not addressing the issue and going round and round in circles. Um, look, like we said, it's an unfortunate way for Eddie to end, but he's brought it upon himself. And look, the real victims are the, are the players staff um staff members who've who've been scrutinized and victimized as as a result of it um albeit at the time un- unknown uh you know unknown and, and not so much um wasn't talk spoken about i guess um but still not not something we want to be anywhere near our great game yeah no absolutely look yeah maybe um not paying Collingwood fans in that light, I guess, just just more the general feel amongst the competition. But look, if this report can come out and have a big difference, I think that's important. I guess that there's it's a societal thing, like you say, and it's, you know, we as a country, a nation, football club, wherever you are, there, there needs to be plenty of work done. So if this can have a positive impact, I think we can definitely uh, we can take that. Absolutely. Now, shifting gears. The what was known as the VFL um, has now expanded, and we've got teams in New South Wales and and Queensland. So we've got this nice sort of southeast football league. Um, we're just going to call it the VFL, and I've got a. Uh, I don't understand why we. Why, are why they going with the VFL name. for it? Yep. Yep. Well, they are. It's the VFL. The VFL. It's the VFL. Why didn't we just keep the AFL as the VFL? Because that's how it's treated. Uh, it's good to be back. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I actually uh, didn't see that, um, but that is, that astounds me. That they've, I mean, obviously, so much power in, in Victoria, as you would know, and, and I guess the, the AFL struggled to shrug that off. But to go this second tier comp and and put that label on it, I, I think, yeah, I'm I'm pretty surprised by that one. I, I don't know what the Quaffle and New South Wales footy um, or Neeful or how, how they let that slip. I think it was survival mode. We'll take anything we can get. Yes, we'll play in a comp that's called the VFL and it, it got through or I don't know. It's it's probably one for Gil to explain and we would love to have you on, Gillen. If, you, if you're free over the, the coming season, you're more than welcome to join us. But yeah, I, I'm stunned by that one. But uh, I'm not stunned. Um it doesn't make any sense, but I'm not stunned that the people running the game decided, oh, we'll just stick with the VFL because that's what we'll do. And ultimately, the VFL dollar props up the competition, the Victorian dollar, um, just like in the AFL. Um, you know, the, the Victorian clubs' dollars and, and probably some of Perth are propping up a lot of New South Wales and Queensland. Um, but here we are, New Year, same AFL. Um, now, the WA... There's a bit of a lockdown over there with, uh, you know, they've, they've jumped at shadows a bit like our man Dan. And, and one case means we've changed the rules and we go into a little bit of lockdown, um, which 
let's keep the COVID stuff out of this, but it means for the past week, and I haven't seen an update yet um, early this week, the two Perth teams have only been able to train for an hour outside with only one other teammate. Now, I say this puts them at a massive disadvantage right in this period where you want to be ramping up your training and going really, really hard before you give sort of players a little sort of six-day weekend sort of thing in the middle right before round one. Um, why aren't the restrictions being put on the Victorian teams exactly like they were when this situation was reversed about 10 months ago? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, well, I mean, this is, is this your love of the WA community coming through again? But... Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I guess it's too simplistic. I think to to push it back. Oh, this is you know what this is what happened ten months ago. We should do that. I mean, technically, all of all Victorian teams were at a disadvantage last year because they played no home games. So where do you sort of draw the line on what's fair and what's not? I think offline we've talked a message about the fact that it's just more rules on the run. Um, you know, as as long as the teams get out there, I think the AFL's happy, and and the the playing field isn't even, and so this is probably just another thing to throw on that pile. If I'm being honest, yeah, well, it's not even in general because obviously we play the grand final in Victoria. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a... um, but if you've got look, you want to keep it even where you can. Some sometimes you have to, um, and last year was a case of either play and have it an uneven competition or don't play and don't get paid so you know what choice do you have right now you've got a choice and it's quite easy to just tell the victorian sorry clubs from all other states look these are the rules over there these are the rules everywhere um i don't think the rules are going to sit like that for too long if it was mid-season it would be a different conversation but given we're still a little while out i think they could do it to be fair um it doesn't sound so like you're that. saying all teams do the one hour only one teammate training a la WA. Yep. Yeah, because because look, if it was if it was Victoria doing the one hour with a teammate, I, I reckon that the whole comp would be doing it. So I, I do 100%. see see merit with it. Um, what your thoughts on the WA teams getting out of WA and, and maybe going and basing themselves or is it a bit risky sort of basing yourself out of a state when the pitch is so unclear at the moment on, on the year ahead? Yeah, well, look, they they did that for parts of last season. They're not going to want to do that now and they don't have to, and I'm talking about the players. Um, I still think it may help West Coast and Frio to go and hub somewhere and... If I were them, I'd be trying to hub in Victoria and spend four weeks and go, right, we're going to play Essendon, Carlton, North and the Bulldogs and we want to play them all at the MCG. And then they get four games at the G against... Like, I'm talking a varying range of opponents. It doesn't doesn't really matter who. But then they can get out, get on the road, do a bit of a team bonding thing, try and go three and one to set the season up to bank the games later in the year. Um, and given last year they went to a hub in Queensland for the first four to six weeks, um, give or take, and they whinged and sooked like yeah, little babies, that, and right. they're going to have learnt from that. And if they get in the same situation this year, hindsight's twenty twenty, thank God. Um, and they are they're going to be prime for a big year, I reckon. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think, yeah, like, like you, you touched upon there, it was definitely an attitude thing. So if, like maybe coming to Victoria suits them more than going to Brisbane. I think that is the longest flight in football. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that, that's, just, that's just smart. So, look, well, let's keep an eye on uh, that as we move through the podcast throughout the year because that, that one is going to be one that develops now. Uh, the world of sport, uh, obviously, this week was affected by one large event and one of the largest events. So the Super Bowl on this week, uh, Super Bowl 55. So just to digress slightly out of the world of AFL, I'm just interested. So we saw Tom Brady salute for his uh, seventh ring, seventh championship, 10 appearances in the Super Bowl for seven wins. It's on levels we haven't seen, given NFL's uh, standing, I guess, in the world of sport. Um, I mean, I, I'm struggling there for an Aussie equivalent, and I, I just wanted to open up to you, Sauce, uh, Seb, for, you know, where, where does he sit now, Tom Brady, with seven rings in the ladder of world sport and career achievement? Yeah, so to look... I don't think there's an apt comparison in the AFL world, but I'll try and give you one. And it it was close. It didn't quite get there. But Luke Hodge is is my comparison. And it's because Brady's had this Hall of Fame career. And if you actually break it down, because he played 21 seasons, first seven, second seven, and last seven years, each period would be a Hall of Fame career in its own right. Like three Super Bowl wins, one Super Bowl, or two Super Bowl MVPs. Then he's got all the records and then three Super Bowl wins in the back seven. Um, so if you break it down, it's just outstanding. But this this is a, this is a guy, right? He's just a bloke, Tom. He, he eats avocado ice cream. Like, you know, he's a bit nuts. <laughs> no, he but is. he's just said, well, the coach doesn't want me here. Stuff them. Stuff the Patriots. Tampa, do you guys want to come and win a Super Bowl? I'll come and play with you and we'll go and win a Super Bowl. And he did it. Like... That team of the four biggest sports in America, and I'm talking NFL, football, basketball, hockey, and baseball, Tampa have the worst winning percentage of every single franchise ever. And he's gone and just taken them to a Super Bowl. Now, Hodgie went up to Brisbane, and they finished top four and bombed out in two finals. And, you know... I, a similar parallel with obviously with that was, success. He yeah, was right I, I, there. I, he was it. right there, but didn't quite do it. Hell, you've only got Michael Tucker won seven. Yeah, but yeah, how many <laughs> champion players were through that team? Like it was a different different situation. He won most of his flags in a competition that was based in one state. Tom, correct, and a fair portion of it wasn't uh, salary capped or draft ready. Yeah. So this has um, all been done in salary cap. Equalization, national sport. He's just, I, even, yeah. Oh no, I was going to say even we we haven't really seen in AFL terms different game. Obviously, in the quarterback position is is incredibly influential. But even someone at this age of their career, he's forty three. Forget the forty three. I'm saying towards the end of his career, going to another club and and he, yeah, it is like the Hodgie. That that's the only one I can think of. I can't think of too many other players that have sort of taken that, uh, you know, that route. Oh, I want to sneak one before I leave. Maybe our uh, listeners can uh, send a few in on the mailbag. Uh, Twelve rows back dot com. Back and bigger, bigger and better this year than most. Um, I'd, I'd say um, 
Gary Ablett Jr. was also not far away, but doesn't quite yeah. have the, the premierships to, to stake his claim. But you can split his career in half quite easily, and you've got two Hall of Famers. Yeah, so um, you've you've but you've got to go someone long term here. Like obviously, like a, a Tom Lynch to Richmond, he did straighten them up, but they were already a great side, and I think he's oh, more icing on the top. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You didn't just throw Tom Lynch from Richmond. No, no, I'm, into I'm this thinking of examples of uh, of you know one player movements, you know, getting teams to that next level. But yeah, maybe we'll cut this. I'm not cutting that. Everyone's got to hear you bring up that comparison. Tom, Tom Lynch, Tom, no. Um, the, but that's that's the point. You, there is just no comparison. It just doesn't exist. Like no, it, yeah. So now unparalleled I guess that, in team sport. I, so you you have you have this ahead of the great Michael Jordan with his. Uh, you know, we we all watched uh, the Last Dance last year. You have Brady now ahead of Jordan in terms of. World I sport. would have had Brady ahead of Jordan for a little while. Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I could look. How long have you got? I can reel off lots of stats of the mean Jordan are not the best player ever, um, but Brady has done it in a team sport where so much has to go right for you to win one. Like one little injury and your season can be derailed in three weeks. Whereas in the NBA, you just got to get through to the finals and go through and win it. My biggest thing is. People who grew up through the 90s seem to think Jordan was the be-all and end-all. But there's a bloke called Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who has just as many accolades and just as many, um, if not, sorry, more points. So, like, he's done a lot more than Jordan. And there's a bloke named LeBron James who beats Michael in just about every statistical category that isn't points scored. Um, points per game, I should say. I think he scored more points and done it more efficiently. Um, he just doesn't have the six titles. Well, Jordan was one and nine in the playoffs before Scottie Pippen showed up. So, like... Yeah, I'll take that. I do, I, you know, I, I have Jordan ahead of Brady just because of his profile that he brought to the sport of basketball on a world scale. But i do agree that you know jordan does sit with his six ring you know six finals mvps and no losses i think the unblemishedness probably gives that one a little bit of a a rosy side and you know if we're we're throwing out some of those is that a saints fan you'd rather lose in a prelim than a grand final (laughs) i've lost a couple of grannies and i don't know if i'd do it they hurt they do hurt what Um, jordan gets credit for not making the finals it doesn't make any well, sense. Well, yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. Like it is, it does dust over, you know, uh, some of you know LeBron's to switch teams and and win Finals MVPs with, you know, he's the first one to do it on three teams, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. You know, that that's that's unbelievable. Um, I mean, yeah, just to throw in another old timer when we were back on that, you know, Bill Russell's got eleven championships, but that's a la Tucky. It was a different time. Back then, and no, there are um, eight teams at that point when he yeah, won half that's of right. those. So, so I mean, it, yeah. it's a, it's a tricky one. I mean, it's subjective, but I mean, if we can talk like the last 20, 30 years, I mean, yeah. So we're, we're comparing Jordan and Brady, but I mean, do you have it ahead of a Usain Bolt or a Michael Phelps or? Well, I do because they're individuals, and all of their well, not all, I guess. Phelps sort of won a few medals in relays, but. Their greatness was achieved individually, so they don't have to rely on 
other team members being healthy and, and you know, like Tom Brady, he's got an offensive line that's going to protect him and, and yeah. do all this sort of stuff. And, and, like, you can look up Tampa Bay last year. They were they were a mess. Yeah, you know, lots of penalties, and, lots of yeah. turnovers, this, that, and the other. They had a lot of talent. And he's come in and buttoned them up. And Kansas City looked like the mess on yeah, Monday that's over what, here. Yeah, that's what shocked me in that game. They're, they're the defending champs, and they look like the mess. So, as far as team sport athlete, I can't see it. I don't see anyone as having had a better career. Um, you can argue talent levels, but that's I think neither here nor there because it's all about winning the ultimate championship. Phelps and Bolt are right there in terms of athletic careers, but 21 years in the NFL, like the average career length's three. three yeah, years. look, I'll, so he's I'll got give seven him that. times the average bloke, which is yeah. not half bad. Um, oh, there, there's some wild stats. I don't have them fully on me here. Just about, you know, the. I mean, I think uh, if you look at how many Super Bowls there've been, Brady's been in ten. I mean, the, the percentage of Super Bowls that have featured him is just off the charts. When you think about how many people have actually played the game, it's it, yeah, it's it's insane. I think I saw one stat that he's actually made uh, more Super Bowls. The percentage is better than Steph Curry hitting a three. So there's probably one to, uh, to double-check for the fans. But um, Yeah, so yeah. if you take just his years, you've got to take out the year he hurt his knee. And I think his first year sitting on the bench, yep. he's made the Super Bowl 10 out of 19 years, which is yeah, more exactly. likely than Steph Curry hitting a three. There you go. Um, let's, let's dive into a couple of little stats. Um, and I, t- I just told you this before we started recording, but his most famous Super Bowl win was when he played the Falcons and they were down 28-3 to and they came back and won. Famous game. Now, between his salary, signing bonus, um, bonus for finishing top five in passing yards and bonus for winning the Super Bowl, he made exactly $28.3 million. That is brilliant. That is I, a, I reckon his, a, break. Yeah. I reckon <laughs> his agent set that up. Just that as is, like a, oh, if this happens, this will be good. Yeah, that, that's got to feel pretty nice, though, and that's got to feel pretty bad for uh, Falcon fans, young and old. Um, I have got one for you, actually, if we're getting into the stats. So uh, this is a bit before my NFL time when he debuted, but uh, the big uh, Megatron, Kelvin Johnson, just inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. He actually had his entire career from being drafted playing his career, and then the five years you've got to wait before going into the Hall of Fame in between Brady's first and 10th Super Bowl. So that just shows you some of the length that you can squeeze a Hall of Fame career in between Brady's uh, you know, Super Bowl uh, debut and his, his most recent. So, yeah, I mean, it, if you love your stats, it is absolutely raining them after Brady's win, that's for sure. Yeah, he was, he was just about the best wide receiver talent the league's ever seen. He's right there with Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. Um, insane um, athlete, Calvin Johnson. He, ironically, it's quite funny, he played for the Detroit Lions. Both him and Barry Sanders were both loyal. Like you say, loyalty doesn't exist in sports, especially in America. They were so loyal to Detroit, they retired rather than keep playing for such a rubbish franchise. But they wanted to remain one club players. He had so much left in the tank, but he retired. Can you think of an AFL parallel? Is there, is there one off off the top? Uh, who retired far too early? Alex Rance. 
But it wasn't because Richmond were terrible. Yeah, can't call him a basket he's, case. He's a religious family thing. I was going to say Boomer, um, but he was pushed out, wasn't he? Yes. He was still playing at 37. Is the game's record holder, Tom? You really need to cool your jets on this Boomer talk. No, I'm, I'm still bitter after a good friend of mine showed me that clip of him in the record-breaking game giving uh, Lindsay, getting that handball receive in the goal square from Lindsay Thomas and blasting it through. I didn't need that over the Christmas period, but anyway. I reckon so, you should share that on our socials, Tom. I reckon yeah, the, oh, the, definitely. the viewers, as you would call them, would love to see it. Um, just I've got one more stat on the Super Bowl. Now, and, and this is relating it back to the AFL. Now, the all-time famous halftime performance in the AFL. Um, obviously, Mike Brady turns up every year, and that's where he literally makes his check for the oh, year. Every year. It's a great so job. You get paid something. Um, do you know how much Meatloaf got paid for his performance? Oh, I, Funnily enough, I saw him the week later in concert, and he wasn't as bad as he was at the 011 Granny, but uh, he, he still wasn't great. Uh, I'm thinking... oh. You, Anything more than a hundred grand sounds overs. Hundred grand sounds overs. From my limited research on Google, it's between five to six hundred thousand. That's what the AFL have gone and paid him, right? Do you know how much the halftime acts in the Super Bowl get paid? Oh, they'd have to be uh, in the multiple millions, surely. Nothing. Oh, nothing. No, they don't get paid a cent. They get free promotion to. Millions and millions of people across the world, and so statistically, saying... every time someone plays, they get um, their well, Spotify like listens go up, their tours start selling better. Um, at Maroon Five played in the twenty nineteen Super Bowl and saw their per show average gross grow to two hundred thousand from two hundred thousand, grow two hundred thousand per show. So they're suddenly making another two hundred grand per show for doing it for free. Now. I have absolutely no idea who the bloke who performed was, but apparently he's known no, as The, as the Weekend. He is the had the number one single in Australia last year with Blinding Lights. You need to get, uh, get no, a book, I, Spotify, and get the top 20 going. I don't have Spotify, but someone told me these are a few of his songs. I'm like, oh, I know the songs. I just don't know who he is. Um, I think in Australia he's known as The Long Weekend because he was still going on Monday, Tom. Um, so he didn't get paid. Do you know he actually spent $7 million of his own money? To put the show together? Oh, see, I was when you said how much did he get paid, I saw that seven mil figure and I just assumed that was what he was banking for it. So he's forked out seven mil. Yep, to make sure the show was as good as it can be because he's going to get all this on the back end. Like, it, it's genius. Um, but Jennifer so, Lopez, yeah. Katy Perry, Justin Timberlake, Lady Gaga, Janet Jackson, if you remember, there was a little incident. None of them get paid. And yet here we are giving Meatloaf six hundred grand to stink up the joint. Yeah, like, that, that's the that's the ten year anniversary is this year, and it's still ringing in people's ears that performance. It's gone it, down as an all timer. It's it's bizarre, but that it's just in terms of comparisons and the AFL wanting to try and be the Super Bowl halftime show, they're never going to get close, and they need to they should change it and try and celebrate our culture or do something different because. If they come back to a day grand final, the halftime show, the pregame show doesn't give you anything. They don't do a halftime show. Um, but look, we'll talk about that 
We'll talk about that when the annual oh, what time's the grand final going to be played this yeah. year thing comes up in about. It's, oh. a, it's due. It's this. What is, you know, it comes up earlier. This in the time year. or round eight, round six to eight. I feel like it's in there. It'll come up. It'll come up, and we'll talk about it. But I still, if it's a slow week or there's some sort of story bubbling away about, uh, you know, what's it called? Uh, yeah, bubbling away in the AFL that they want to cover up. I'm sure they'll put it out there. So, yeah, that's a wait and see. Absolutely. Now. Do you want to quickly run through? We've sort of done a little list of rankings for our top top teams this year. Well, all the teams. Yeah. So as as they say uh, on uh, the ESPN uh, articles I read, this is a way 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 too early power rankings. I guess you could call it. Uh, and well, we'll get these online, but they are early, but they are well thought. I'm not calling mine power rankings, and purely because the power rankings these sites do. All they do is look at the most recent games, and it's so dangerous to do because it doesn't. If you have a good win over a top side, it doesn't suddenly make you such a better side. It just means you had a good week. And the power rankings, they just flip flop teams all through the year. So mine are going to be my rankings of teams in terms of 1 to 18 on ability on any so given Sunday. Best to worst at that point in time. Yep. Yep. Yep, so, like, for example, I have Geelong as the best team as it stands right now based upon the fact they were right there last year and they've come in and added Sean Higgins, Isaac Smith uh, and the big fella, Jeremy Cameron. Look, that's fair. I've, uh, I've gone Is, with it, the top. That's fair. I've got to go a fair way down your list. <laughs> well, look, we'll get to that. Seven. Just, just off the top, I've got the Tigers. Uh, you know, they're, they're still the team to beat, yes, there might have been a few issues off field with uh, Dimmer Hardwick, which we won't go into, but I, I still think they're the team to beat. They've still got a man called Dusty. You know, they're not exactly an old team. I think they're still uh, in their prime. And yes, as you're alluding to, uh, I do have my doubts about the Cats. So at the moment, I've got Tigers number one. So the Cats have brought in those players. Richmond have lost a couple. Jack Higgins, the name one. And Geelong have slipped six spots down. Or five, yeah, six, five or six spots. Well, it, it's as we talked offline. I mean, it, you've got to put all the teams somewhere. But look, I, I'm this is my rankings as it stands. I, I oh, it sure is, Tom. I I haven't often seen the the you know the dad's army teams get the job done. So I'm the jury's still out for me. I, I know. They've got a great team, and there's no doubt about that, but I'm just going to see how the, the team chemistry goes and how these older bodies hold up as the season progresses and you know whether or not you know they sort of just cruise and, and get themselves primed for the right time. But at, at the moment, I, I, you know, not a whole lot of young talent being brought through, which is, I guess, where you can see a lot of improvement. I think they've gone for the now. I'm, I'm just, this is just the cats. I'm, I'm just waiting to see. I, I did go controversial with mine. Um, would you say you have yourself, Sebastian? No, no I, I'm, I'm straight as an arrow. I'm never controversial. Just a straight, even keel. Um, should we read them out in order? And then, obviously, we're going to put these up on Instagram and, and Twitter and everything else so you can re- read over and digest them. And, and feedback is more than welcome because... Um, despite the fact of what we might believe, we're not perfect, and, and these are very subjective. Um, so this is my list from 1 to 18. I've got Geelong, Richmond, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, 
which is the top four from last year. Nothing nothing out there yet, Tom. That's what I'm... Yep. West Coast, the Western Bulldogs, Frio jumping into the eight, GWS jumping into the eight, which means the Kilda have dropped out. Tom, out. sorry. We've got Sydney 10, Carlton 11, Melbourne 12, which will mean simple Simon's Yeah, out. I was going to say, that's your man gone. We've got Gold Coast at 13, just because I don't know where the improvement's coming from. Collingwood are the big slider. 14, that's the deep. 14th best team in the comp. Well, Eesh. we've pinched their best key, their best forward in Steve-O. And uh, there's just a lot going on at that club. I wouldn't, don't think they're in for a good year, but I would have said I would have said they had no chance in that final and they proved me wrong, so good luck to you. And then the bottom four, I don't think these are any sort of... Uh, we're not uh, reinventing the wheel here. Hawthorne, Essendon, North Melbourne and Adelaide, who I think they won some cheap games at the back end of the year and they were ultimately the worst team in the comp last year and will remain so this year. Yeah, there you go. Actually, one for the uh, punters out there. Might be a little uh, value in Adelaide most losses if you're a, uh, a betting man. I think the Roos are favourite in that one. But I think, yeah, I've got Adelaide bottom too. But I'll start with mine. So, yeah, Tigers at the top with Lions second. Uh, love what the dogs did. I've got them third. I think they can really uh, jump up this year. I, I just, you know, they got smashed in that final, but I think they'll recover from that and uh, and move on. West Coast, I I still think that they'll get it right, despite their uh, none of their midfielders being ranked as elite by champion data. They still have a great midfield, great forward line, great back line. So Eagles there, Port Adelaide at five, which might be a little steep, but just you know. I, I know they made a prelim, but I still feel like I can't trust them. It's just an instinct I've got. Uh, Saints at six, holding steady. Uh, yeah, as we talked about, just the jury's still out for me on the Cats. Um, have at me, uh, listeners, on what you think of that. If, if I'm crazy, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm just waiting to see how these uh, old bodies go. Now, Seb might have played it safe, but I'm putting my neck out here, and I've currently got the Blues in the eighth spot, which might also make me look a little bit crazy, But and I've talked about not being able to trust Port Adelaide. Well, why would I trust Carlton? But I just think they've done a lot of good recruiting, and they've got those season bodies. They've moved on from that drafting pick after pick after pick. Zach Williams, Adam Saad, um, you know, Getting some more support around Paddy Cripps. Um, I'm liking the Blues, and if they can just pinch a couple of those games that they should win throughout the year, they, they could bank the double figures. D's on the edge there on ninth, uh, which probably actually means Goody goes two for me if he doesn't make the eight. Uh, Collingwood still got the players, off-field turmoil, and it just is all falling apart really behind the scenes, but they still have some great players. The Giants, I think they can stick with it. Uh, Frio jumping up, but not quite into the eight. Gold Coast, Sydney. Uh, and then my bottom four, similar to you, Seb. I've got Bombers, Hawks, North, and then Adelaide. So similar bottom fours, and then then it gets a little bit jumbled. But I think the, the Tigers will be up there based on this and probably the power and the Lions. So not huge changes. You do find that a team in that, that bottom part of the ladder does jump up. So... It's sort of interesting. I, I guess you've gone Freo in that one, and I've gone the Blues, um, and then usually one from the upper echelon of the ladder drops out. So, we, look, I love this. I love the rankings. I'm hoping the listeners do too, because I think we're going to keep this uh, going throughout the year, aren't we, Seb? Yeah. So the the rankings will literally help 
direct me towards finding winners on a weekly basis. Um, <laughs> That's what it's about. So we will we will be splitting splitting the podcast a little bit and having a little tipping section on a separate podcast, which will obviously include the underdog tipping, the return of which uh, I can't wait for. There's lots of value to be found, and uh, I've actually got a real early round one tip based off these rankings. Um, Porter playing north and and. Porter only favoured by four goals. And I think that one might be a seven to eight goal win to Port. Could get ugly. Um, but I just... I think Port are going to be really hungry because they did everything right for so long last year and then faltered in that prelim. And I don't think they should have lost it, but they did. Um, they're going to come out wanting to prove a point. North have a terrible first up record dating back to, I think, Dean Laley when he was coach. And... We've lost our number one goal kicker, who admittedly didn't play, but we haven't really brought anything in. We've lost our classiest midfielder. Logic says uh, we aren't going to cover that spread of 24.5. Yeah, look, that, that that is a smart tip. I I don't mind that one. Um, just out of interest, the, the big boy Ben Brown, just as you mentioned, your, your goal kicker leaving, he's not 100% at the moment, is he? Well, he wasn't 100% last year. Um, he's been having knee problems. He's a big boy and does a lot of running. It may not yeah. be so conducive to staying healthy. Um, I think North knew something because we gave up. Well, we didn't take in much for a bloke who's kicked more goals than anyone over the previous three years in the comp. You know, and he's 27. He's not 34. Yeah. Um, you know, compare that to the Jeremy Cameron deal who... Are they similar age? Oh, yeah, maybe a year or two in it. I think Jez is 28, maybe, off the top of my head. Yeah, so I'd say they're similar age. Jez is way more dynamic. I'm not comparing them on that sense. But in terms of a goals output, they're not that far off. And three first-rounders versus a second-round pick, that's a big drop-off. But we know Cameron's healthy and firing, and we don't know about Ben Brown. And Look, if Melbourne still haven't learned how to kick to a forward, Ben Brown's useless once it hits the ground. Like he don't, he, he not a, he's not an east or west mover. Yeah, no, that's true. And I guess back on the injury front too, uh, Jakey Stringer, not a good one for the uh, Dons fans out there. Um, yeah, we, we both had them in the bottom four, but yeah, it, it's going to look more likely if they can't uh, work out who's kicking their goals this year, and they definitely need Jakey to step up. Yeah, I mean Joe Danaher, not that he played much in recent years, is still a big loss. Um, because you don't, you, you still structure your team around, well, Joey's going to come back and he's going to play here. So you don't necessarily try and bring someone in to replace it. Um, but he's off up in Brisbane, hopefully enjoying himself. Um, I wonder if him going to Brisbane and giving their goal-kicking woes is, is the reason Brisbane are $3.75 to kick the most behind in the comp this year. Now, that, that is a value bet if I've ever seen one. Well, uh, although I have heard reports from up in Brisbane that uh, he, he's he's lighting it up in the intra clubs. Take of that what you will, and maybe it's the Saints fan in me showing that uh, intra club form is taken as gospel. But uh, I I heard Ben Brown kick six and a quarter in an intra club for Melbourne, and now he's having knee surgery. So you tell me how true they are, Tom. Yeah, no, true. But no, look, that that that's. Pretty humorous, actually. I, I didn't think of that at the time. I thought it was good bris- business for Brisbane, but yeah, the, the goal-kicking woes, that's just what they need is Big Joey, who's not a known sharpshooter. So 375, that seems real value. Well, they're favourites. It's, it's an interesting market. I'm just trying to work out how to get some value out. Um, 
The Cats I mean, at seven bucks is where I'd go because they had the most scoring shots last yeah, I was year, and say, they've loaded up this year on on firepower. Pick a team with uh, with the forward options. Yeah, look, that that seven bucks is juicy. I'll tell you what else is seven dollars though is the Cats not to make the eight if you're really feeling harsh like some. But uh, look, they, they, these will all come out as you said. We're going to do the uh, split them up the podcast and then uh, the separate tipping on uh, as well. So just doubling up your uh, twelve rows back as we get into 2021 for our season two. Does this podcast go to Geelong? They're not going to be happy with you. <laughs> look, I'm hoping they'll welcome me, but uh, look, yeah, controversial. Play around with your rankings. Don't don't play it safe, Seb. You, you played it safe. Let's just see how it pans out. Yeah, uh, that's fine. I've jumped Freo up from nowhere, but they're in for a big year. Um, and look, I, I still walk around Moorabbin safely, so... You know, apparently I've been a little bit harsh on the Saints in, in Season 1. And look, I'll be honest, it's going to continue in Season 2. Um, I think that's it, Tom. It's great to be back talking to you and to the world. Uh, you got any last thoughts for the listeners? Nah, it's like sharp, sharp start from us. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the rest of the year. We've warmed up this way. Let's uh, bring in the 2021. Let's do it.